Today's message, we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 5. And the Word of God says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, as I mentioned, this is Palm Sunday. A week before we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as you probably know, this is the day that we remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem as the crowd laid palm branches in his path, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you also need to realize that Jesus had traveled a long way from his home and had given up so very much to get there. Because you see, Jesus, who was sovereign, had to empty himself from his place with God to become a man so that he could, so that Jesus could relate to us. And Jesus became what the Bible calls our kinsman redeemer. If you take the word kinsman and you divide it in two, you have two words, kin and man. And Hebrews chapter 2, 17 says, In all things, he, being Jesus, had to be like his brothers, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. And so just like we all, <clears throat> excuse me, we all have kinfolk, even though we wish crazy Uncle Eddie wasn't, you're thinking about someone right now. That, that relative, you're thinking about him or her, but even though we're kin to them, Jesus Christ is also kin to us. Now in Leviticus chapter 25 and in the book of Ruth, the Bible explains to us that in order to redeem property, you had to be kin to the one that needed redemption or you couldn't redeem the property. And so God had a dilemma when he got ready to deliver mankind because he had to prove that he was kin to us before he could redeem us from the curse of the law and from the curse of sin and death. And so you see, that's why Jesus came. Came so far away from his home so that he could relate to us and be related to us to be our kinsman redeemer. And you see, we are related. We are connected to God in such a way that boggles the mind of the devil because a devil could destroy me if I wasn't kin to God. There are a lot of things that couldn't happen to me and a lot of things that didn't happen to me because I'm kin to the Lord. And likewise, when Satan and when this world starts jumping on you, God, your heavenly Father, will speak up real quick and say, hey, don't mess with him, that's my son. He'll say, you leave her alone, she's my daughter. But you see, he had to prove that he was kin to us before he could redeem us from the curse of sin and death. And so that's why Jesus came down to the earth, so he might relate to us as our kinsman redeemer. We are related to Jesus Christ. Now, 
When God created man, he created him from the dust of the earth. And God breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Bible tells us that we were created in the likeness and the image of God. And that likeness continued until sin came in the world. And at that point, we lost our godliness and we became ungodly and we became unrighteous. But up until then, we had been created in God's image. But when we fell, we lost our likeness. We lost our kinmanship with God. And then once we fell, we could not get back into his godliness. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You remember that phrase? Do you realize that is actually a biblical concept? Because when God saw us in the garden, wretched and without covering, he saw that we could not get up to him. And so in his love, he said, since you can't come up to being like me, I will come down and I will be like you. And the Bible says he came down 40 in two generations that he came down through the oracles of time. He came down through the mouths of the prophets. He came down through tabernacles and temples. He came down, and he found a virgin named Mary and wrapped himself in a garment of flesh, and he took on himself the form of a servant to come down where we were. God said, since you can't be like me, I'll be like man. And God became flesh. The Bible puts it this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and walked among us. Why? To serve us. Now, I realize that serving sounds strange to this generation because we've been raised on blessing plans, 12 ways to receive your miracles, and how to get the Cadillac of your dreams. But I want you to know before we were talking about gold watches falling from heaven, we were thanking God for the crimson blood that washed away our sins and delivered us from the curse of the law. I don't know about you today, but I thank God I am saved. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I am saved. And that's more important than anything else in this world. And the incredible good news is that the devil cannot do anything about it. He can mess with my washing machine, but he can't mess with my soul. He can mess with my car, but he can't touch my soul. I'm saved. Hallelujah. And Jesus came to where I was, and Hebrews 2.14 says that he partook in the same flesh and blood as sinful man so that he might redeem us from the curse of the law and from the curse of sin and death. Jesus became a man so that as Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our sins. You see, Jesus became human so that he could represent us as our high priest. But now you have to understand that every high priest has to have an offering. And all the high priests before Jesus took an offering of the blood of animals. But Jesus, the highest high priest, said that the blood of bulls and goats and rams cannot redeem man from sin. I want you to understand something today, friend, that Christ was the only high priest who went into the holy of holies without an animal. He went in by himself with only himself, and he offered up himself a living sacrifice. And that's why Romans 12.1 tells us, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Yeah. 
And so he's telling us to be like Jesus who presented his body. Not a lamb, not a goat, not a bullock, but he went by himself and he redeemed you. He didn't use angels to redeem you. He didn't use any animal sacrifice to redeem you, but God all by himself redeemed you by the power of his blood. Can someone give him some praise today for what he did for us on Calvary? I mean, look at our God who came from such a long way away to where we were, who, a God who left the splendors of heaven, who came to be our high priest, who is touched by the feeling of our infirmities and tempted in all things just like us, yet he did not sin. Friends, what that means is there is nothing that you are going through today that God can't relate to. That thing that your mind is focusing on right now that is trying to keep you from entering into the service and receiving what God has for you, Jesus knows the pain you're feeling. Now, I hope you've never had to, I hope you've never had to experience this, but there is nothing, nothing worse than being represented by someone who cannot relate to your predicament. You know, when you hire an attorney, the attorney is there to represent you. He doesn't go before the judge in his name. He goes before the judge in your name. The attorney says, I'm here to represent Bill Johnson. And it doesn't matter that he's Perry Mason. He's still there to represent Bill. And when they call your name, Perry Mason stands up. That means that all the issues of the defendant are handled by the lawyer because the lawyer is representing the defendant. Well, I want you to know that same principle works in your Christian life. Because whatever the devil, whenever the devil wants to bring charges against you, whenever the devil wants to take you out and he wants to execute judgment on you, you do not have to stand by yourself. That's because Jesus, the Lamb of God, says, if you're calling his name, you are calling my name. And John chapter 2, verse 1 says, we have an advocate with the Father, the righteous Christ Jesus. Perry Mason, who? I'll take Jesus as my attorney any day. And he stands up on your behalf. I know a man from Galilee, and if you're in sin, he will set you free. Is there anyone here today that knows that man who came such a long way from heaven to represent you? And if you don't know him today, let me introduce him to you. He is the root of Jesse, the seed of Abraham. He is a rose of Sharon. He is meek and humble as a lamb, but he is also the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Do you know the man, Jesus Christ? You see, because Christ restored what Adam lost for us by establishing kinship. And he came a long way from his home so that he might relate to you. And to me. But then Jesus also came a long way from home so that he could redeem us. But now you have to understand something. His coming didn't redeem us. He had to die in order to redeem us. And he redeemed us as our sacrificial lamb. He paid the price that liberated me from the clutches of sin and death. Now, redemption is a financial term. 
It means that he paid the fee. He paid what was owed. Satan had me locked up, and Christ paid the bond that got me out of jail. And that freed me from the curse of the law, and that liberated me. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with silver or gold, but that you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. I thank God for the blood of Jesus today. And because Jesus died to redeem me, that means that means in spite of what my sister says, that I am not worthless. <laughs> I am not worthless. God proved what I was worth when he died on the cross for my sins. Friend, your worth cannot be tabulated by the property you own or the investments you have. You could lose it all, but none of that would change your net worth to God. You are valuable to God. I am valuable God. Valuable to God. Whether you like me or not, I am somebody to God. And when God got ready to prove what I was worth, he allowed his son to be crucified. He said, this is how much Mike Schaefer's worth to me. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And listen, folks, you are somebody. You are somebody. We may not read about you in the newspaper. We may not see monuments with your name on them, but you are someone special. And God loved you so much that he shed his blood for you. And you see, friend, that's why you don't have time for low self-esteem. That's why you don't have time for fear. That's why you don't have time to be depressed because you are too valuable to waste your time on those feelings because look how much Jesus paid to get you out of bondage. So don't go back into what God pulled you out of. Realize how much he paid to get you out of jail. You are free. He died to redeem you, and he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And because of that, there are a lot of people in this room that have made up their mind. And they say, now that I'm out, I'm never going back to who I was before. I am free right now in the name of Jesus. And there are those of us that every now and then we get happy and we clap our hands and we shout and we weep and we rejoice and we dance because when we, when we think about what the Lord had done for us, it makes us want to praise his name. Now, if you want to be happy about your stuff, you can go ahead. But none of that means anything compared to what I'm shouting about because I'm shouting because my name has been written in the land book of life and my sins have been covered by his blood. And I'm saved from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Hell will never get to see me. Satan delivered me out of the clutches of Satan's grasp. I am a free man today. Hallelujah. He came a long way to relate to us. He came a long way and he died to redeem us. And that's why Psalms 172 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, everybody else is coming out of the closet these days. I think it's time for the redeemed to come out of the closet and say so. 
Stop worrying about who's laughing at you and who doesn't understand why you praise the Lord. It's none of their business why you praise the Lord. They don't know what was holding on to you. They don't know what had you tied up. But Jesus went to the cross to set you free. And I am glad to be free. If nothing else wonderful ever happens to me, I'm just glad to be free from the bondage of the devil. You need to tell every demon, you're free. Get out of my face, devil, I'm free. You need to tell every hater in the name of Jesus that you're free. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest, to the Lamb of God, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the I am, to the mighty one. Tell everyone because of who you serve, you are free. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we are redeemed from our sins. Redeemed. Not I'm going to be redeemed. Not I hope to be redeemed. Not I wish I was redeemed. I am redeemed. Let Satan know there is an ED on the end of it. It is past tense. It's over. It's settled. It's finished. Even now, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. I know in whom I have believed. What a mighty God we serve who redeemed us. So Jesus came a long way to relate to us. He died on the cross to redeem us, and now Jesus ever lives to represent us. Jesus rose from the dead to represent me, to stand up on my behalf. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, He always lives to make intercession for us. What that means, friend, is, is that you are not without representation in heaven. Jesus rose from the dead and he continues to occupy the position of high priest so that he can intercede on my behalf and on your behalf. He represents me sitting at the right hand of the Father. You have a man on the executive committee in the boardroom of heaven that represents us. He represents our interests. He represents our situations. How many times has hell tried to destroy me, but Jesus was interceding in my case? Every time Satan got ready to try to snatch you, Jesus said, not so fast, devil. They are redeemed. He is mine. She is mine. Some of you think you just were born under a lucky star. You just had good breaks. You can't figure out how you came through everything. You say, I'm so fortunate. Let me tell you what happened. There was a man in glory who has a plan for your life. And he was bringing about that plan so that it would come to fruition. And it would happen. And he was pleading your case. And he was making a way for you for that plan to work out. And that's why the enemy didn't destroy you. That's why the car wreck didn't kill you. That's why the disease didn't eat you up. Because every time the devil said, yes, I'm going to take them, your God in heaven said, no, devil, you're not. He came a long way from home, and he took on the form of a servant. And Jesus walked where we walked. He slept where we slept. He ate where we ate for 30 years. Well, I take that back. I don't think they had McDonald's back then. But he ate food like we ate. But then one day, 
One day, John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River. But this day was different than the other because someone in the crowd was different. And John looked up and he sees this man. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ stepped from the background into the forefront as the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for the devil. And for 40 days, Jesus Christ defeated Satan by feeding him the Word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then after that, for three years, Jesus, anointed by the Holy Ghost, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And just one week before his death, Jesus, who had come so far, come such a long way from home to get there, came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday. And it was the beginning of the week that would change eternity. You know, as humans, we find ourselves in difficult and trying circumstances. And when we do, we look for other people to try and lift us up and lead us out. And most of the time, we don't look for those to give us help that are worse off than we are. We look to those who can lift us up. And you see, that's why I love my Jesus so much. Because, friend, we have a high priest who was able to deliver himself. And since he was able to deliver himself, I know that he can deliver me. The Bible says they took him from judgment hall to judgment hall, and they couldn't find any fault against him. But they beat him anyway, and they scourged him with a whip containing metal, steel, and bone to inflict excruciating pain. Any ordinary man would have died on the whipping post, but Jesus didn't die there because he knew that he had to be a sacrifice. If Jesus would have died on the whipping post, he couldn't have redeemed you from the curse of the law and from the curse of sin and death. And so he held death off. And he carried his own cross up Calvary's hill. He humbled himself to the death of the cross. And they hung him between earth and heaven. And yet he still wouldn't die until he was able to redeem one last thief hanging beside him. And then Jesus, our high priest, proclaimed, It is finished. And Jesus became our sacrifice. And when Christ died, the sun hit its face. The earth quaked. The veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And he died and law turned into grace. He died and mercy and truth met together. He died and righteousness and peace kissed. He died and every curse was broken. He died and every demon was defeated. He died so you and I would not have to. Now, I don't know, but I'm sure Satan said, when Jesus said that it was finished, I'm sure Satan said, we've won. He's down and he won't be back. And I can imagine there was probably a celebration in hell after the death of the Lord. But I want you to know, after three days, the party stopped. Because early Sunday morning, Jesus Christ rose from the dead with all power in his hand. 
And he said, I am he that was dead, but now I am alive. And the devil said, death, I thought you stung him. Death said, I tried, but he took the sting out of death. Satan said, grave, I thought you were going to hold him. The grave said, I held him three days, but then he broke loose. Then Satan said, Mr. Stone, I thought you were going to contain him, but the stone said he rolled me out of the way. When I think of the goodness and all Jesus has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He came out of that grave for you. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Jesus came a long way from home. He came a long distance to get to where we are. And friend, I want you to know today, he came to heal you. Jesus came to deliver you. Jesus came to mend your broken heart. Our highest high priest came to set you free. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, friend, if you don't understand Christ Jesus, you misunderstand the mystery of the Godhead that is locked up in the man, Christ Jesus. Because there's never been another man like this. His disciples said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And Jesus rose from the dead, and he took the sting out of death. He took victory over the grave and said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And this is what he said, and I hold the keys of hell and death. Now, I don't know about you. When I'm gone, I'm anxious to get back home when I've been gone. But I want you to know Jesus did not hurry up to get back to heaven. The book of Acts tells us that for 40 days after his suffering, after his death, Jesus presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. Jesus wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a mystery. He was alive. Thomas touched the nail print in his hand, and he felt where they had pierced him in the side. The man, Jesus Christ, was alive. And when they had shown himself to the disciples, they went just north up here to Bethany, and he called for a cloud. You guys aren't even listening. You're saying, man, he's hollering, he's sweating. I wish he'd just shut up. Bethany, north, just, just next, next door to War Acres. He and his disciples went to Bethany, and he called for a cloud. And the cloud began to take up the man, Jesus Christ, in the air. As they were watching, two men in white apparel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there gazing upon the heavens? This same man, this same Jesus Christ, will come again in like manner. And Jesus went up to heaven. And for the first time in all of history, there was a high priest in heaven. The angels had seen seraphim. They had seen cherubim. They had even seen archangels. But, and they had even seen man. They had seen Elijah. They had seen Enoch. But they had never seen a man who was a high priest up in heaven. 
And when Jesus stepped off that cloud in heaven, all of a sudden, there was our high priest in glory. And I want you to know there was glory in our high priest. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 says, We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. And I want you to know, friend, he is sitting there today just waiting on you to call his name. And when you do, verse 6 says that he steps into action because he has obtained a more excellent ministry as he is our mediator of a better covenant. Can someone say Jesus today? Jesus. And he is seated at God's right hand. But I want you to know one day, one day one of his deacons was being stoned. And as Stephen looked up into heaven... He didn't see Jesus seated because his attorney had stood up. The Bible says that Jesus was standing. And I want you to know if he stood up for Stephen, I believe he'll stand up for you. When the devil is trying to kill you, I believe Jesus will stand up for you. Won't your high priest, when sickness is trying to take you out, won't he stand up for you? Jesus stood up for me when everyone else gave up on me. The Lord will stand up for his children. And when man couldn't become like God, God became like man that through his poverty we might be made rich. And he even told us that when you pray, don't even use your name, use my name. Jesus says, I'm your attorney, I'm your advocate, I'm your mediator. I represent you and whatever you need the judge to do, come in my name and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. And when you say, Jesus, you are calling on your high priest, and he has the name that releases all power in heaven. You know, God said, don't take my name in vain. In other words, don't use it in an irreverent manner. But I want you to know, friend, that also means don't call on Jesus if you don't mean it. Because if you call his name and you have sincerity in your heart, Jesus will stand up for you. Jesus said, if you call my name, I'm going to be with you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. So don't call him if you're not serious because whenever you call his name, demons start to tremble. Satan knows that name that is above every name, the name of the Lord that has been exalted above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And I want you to know, friend, today, every name means every name. Every name means every name. The name of the Lord is greater than any politician, any world leader, any athlete, any celebrity. Anyone with a Twitter account that says any inane thought that comes in their mind. The name of the Lord is greater. The name of the Lord is greater than any sickness. Cancer is under his name. Diabetes is under his name. Depression is under his name. High blood pressure is under his name. Heart problems is under his name. The name of the Lord is greater than any situation. It's greater than your marriage problems. It's greater than your checkbook. It's greater than your job. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And friend, we need to run to him. And today, in the name of Jesus, I bind every condition. I bind every problem. I bind every circumstance. I bind every dilemma. 
Friend, I want you to know in the name of Jesus, you will come out of this. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, you are blessed. In the name of Jesus, nothing can hold you down. Nothing can tie you up. In the name of Jesus, you are victorious over everything Satan and hell wants to throw against you. In Jesus' name. And the reason is because Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Just for you. Just for you. When you couldn't get to God, Jesus came a long way from his home and went through so much to get to you. And he came to redeem you. He came to be related to you. And Jesus came to represent you. And the most incredible thing is at this very moment, he is closer closer than your next breath. That's how much he loves you. He is there for you. Bow your heads with me if you would. Friend, Jesus is standing up about your situation. He's standing up about your sickness. <clears throat> He's standing <clears throat> about your burden. You know, you may be here today and you're carrying around depression. Well, today Jesus is asking, why are you carrying what I already carried? Why are you carrying what I already defeated so you wouldn't have Jesus says, I carried, I carried your sorrow. So why are you still carrying your sorrow? Jesus says, I took stripes on my back. So receive your healing. He says, I redeemed you with my blood. So ask me to come in to your heart. And I will. If you're here today and you need Jesus to walk into your life, would you raise your hand? You need Jesus to forgive you. You need Jesus to minister to you. Just slip your hand up. 